What do you do? Anyways, we're going to see another video that we're going to pray together. You ready to listen? Here we go. How would you know not to follow the Antichrist? Like if the Antichrist came, how would you know not to follow him? Well, I heard it's supposed to be the opposite of Christ, so I probably shouldn't follow something that's pure evil. How would you know not to follow the Antichrist? Um, I would not know. Well, I mean, assuming you're brought up on good morals, if the Antichrist comes out spouting false morals, don't follow. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> if the Antichrist came, how would you know it was the Antichrist? Isn't Marilyn Manson the Antichrist? Um, I don't remember. I don't know my prophecy that well. Well, isn't he supposed to be, like, a really great leader or something? He wouldn't. He's going to be like you or I, so it's going to be a secret. I think the person that spoke last seemed to make the most sense. Biblically, you wouldn't really know unless you studied the Bible, right? The other people were just saying, I don't know, they didn't have a clue, really. And frankly, I think it's sad yeah. because the Bible is spelled out so many times in Scripture, God's purpose, of course, to reveal to us who the Antichrist is. And these people... They, they don't study their Bible. So tonight we're going to be looking at the Scripture. And uh, Chad, would you pray for us? Yeah, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Great God in heaven, you who see all the things that are seen and unseen to us, you look not on the outward, but you look on the inward, Lord. And we pray tonight that we would open our hearts to you. That tonight as we open the scriptures, that we would see you in a way that we've never seen you before. I pray, pray that you will open your truth to someone here tonight. If someone's here tonight for the first time, Lord, I pray that they would have a keen mind, an understanding mind, especially since they missed a few meetings. But I know that at the same time, you can make these scriptures so clear that anyone in this room, by your grace, can understand. Lord, I pray tonight that your Holy Spirit would rain down upon us. That, Lord, we would know that you are here and that we have been in your presence. Lord, guide us with your Holy Spirit now as we turn the pages of Holy Writ. God in heaven, we need you more than all things now. And I pray that Jesus, the Savior who has died and has risen again, will be seen this evening. Above all else, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, there was a question before we get started with this message. There was two questions, and they both <clears throat> deal with the same thing. I've been raised in the church and learned that the, there would be a rapture of the church preceding the second coming of Christ. Therefore, what's the deal about Antichrist? And we covered that, I thought, yesterday pretty clearly. We're going to go into that a little deeper in the future. But what we looked at yesterday to answer that question was what? Well, we saw that in Daniel chapter 7, three times particularly, we saw a chronology that was set forth in the Bible that showed us that there would be an Antichrist, or the Bible called him in Daniel chapter 7, called him the little horn. After the Antichrist's power, there would be judgment, and then after the judgment would be the second coming. Three times in Daniel chapter 7, very clearly we saw that this is a chronology that would take place. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 says there first must be a falling away and then the day of the Lord would come. That's so right. we covered that yesterday. We're going to cover it more in detail in the future. You're going to have to come back next weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're going to be presenting more messages. In fact, 
Every single weekend in October, right? Yes, we're going to have four weekends in a row. Now, you have all week to go home and do your laundry and get your groceries and everything you need to do so that when the weekends come, you'll be all ready for the meeting. So we made sure to have the weekdays off so that you, by the grace of God, could find those days open and come back. And we're going to go into powerful messages that are going to get deeper and deeper into the Scriptures. That's right. Here we go. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those that you have given me, I have kept. Given me, Christ, he is praying here. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. What we're going to do is we're going to ask the question, who, what, when, why, where, how? And we're going to answer those questions biblically. Why? Because any good reporter looking at a scenario would ask those questions to get a pretty good uh, bit of information on what they're asking about. So the who, it is somebody that's like the son of perdition. It's the, somebody who acts like Judas. What was Judas like? We saw that Judas was one of the disciples. He was one of the servants of Christ. One of those people that if you saw him, he would have looked just like Christ to the outward eye. But actually inside was deception to the point where he betrayed Jesus, not with some uh, outwardly evil act, but he betrayed him with a kiss and therefore brought down the Savior. In the same way the Antichrist power is going to deceive people through things that look nice. So he was a Christian influence as well, right? That's right. Okay. Okay, so we're going to look at the next one. This is part of who, another who. Let not anyone deceive you by any means. For the day of the Lord shall not come unless there first comes a falling away. And the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition. There it is again. There's the who. It answers is, also, that also answers the question that was asked about the rapture. Clearly, before the day of Christ comes, what's going to happen? The son of perdition, the man of sin, will be revealed. So people are going to see the Antichrist before the day of Christ returns. Very clear. It says, in, in answer to who, he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, setting himself forth that he is God. This is Antichrist. This is the who. What's he like? Who is this guy? He's a Christian influence, but he's trying to step in the way of Jesus, you see. He's trying to gather worship to himself. It's just like the devil. You see, because the devil, back in Isaiah chapter 14, tell us about it. Yeah, in Isaiah chapter 14, beginning in about verse 12, you see this picture of Satan. And Satan uses the term, I, 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 I. He wanted to ex exalt himself up into the stars of heaven. He wanted to go upon the mount of God. And he basically said he wanted to be like the most high. He wanted to be like God. Now the trouble is, is that Satan or Lucifer, who before he had sinned was called Lucifer, the bright and shining one, he was beautiful. But he was a creation of God, and he wanted to take the place of his creator. And so in the same way, this Antichrist power is going to try to set up a system upon the earth that people will look to as God. Very interesting. See, right here, he's a Christian influence. He's with Jesus, he's a disciple, he's been given miraculous power and authority over demons and devils, etc. But notice what happens. And he shall speak words, what? Against yes. the Most High. Yea, he magnified himself even to the ruler of the host, according to Daniel 7.25 and Daniel 8, verse 11. Now, so, if, if, if he's a Christian influence, if he's like Judas, and there's an inward uh, deception and the motives are incorrect, can he hide it? according to verse 70, uh, 725? Well, 
in a sense, he is going to hide it. He's not going to hide it in totality. There is going to be a way to seek and to find out that this power is deceptive. But we already have seen that the majority of the world, the Bible says, is going to wonder after the beast system. So they're going to follow after this power. They're going to think it's great. They're going to think it's powerful. And they're going to choose to follow the Antichrist, all the while thinking that they're following Christ. And we, should, we covered that the very first time we were together. Remember, we were looking at the beast of Revelation 13 and how he had horns, he had crowns, he had a name written on him, he came out of the sea to start his ministry, he was an, uh, an animal of sorts, he was dead and he, was, he came back to life, he ministered for three and a half years, all the same things that Jesus did. So if you're not careful, if you don't study your Bible, you're going to be following Antichrist thinking that you're following Jesus Christ. And so, one of the ways, of course, is to go through the who, what, when, why, where, how, why, and then stay for the next meeting, and we're going to show you from the Bible who it is. Exactly. So let's go to the next one here. We've talked about who, what. Read it for us, brother. We read here in Daniel 7, 17 and verse 24, These four great beasts are for kings. They shall arise out of the earth. Now, we saw these four great beasts are Babylon, Medo, Persia, Greece, and Rome, and they will arise out of the earth. And then it says here in verse 24, the ten horns. Remember, there were ten horns on that last great, dreadful, and terrible beast. It had ten horns and iron teeth. And out of these ten horns would rise up another little horn, which is the Antichrist system. It says the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another, the Antichrist, shall arise after them. Now, wait a minute. The Antichrist, uh, Daniel said, the little horn is the same as Revelation chapter 13 and the beast there. We've already seen that. That's right. You're telling me that the, that the uh, beast of Revelation 13 trying to impersonate Christ is a religious power. But here it says it's a king or a kingdom. Mm-hmm. So it's also a political power. Yes, religious and political. So some more clues there. We have a religious political power that is trying to deceive. Okay, let's look at the next one. What? And another, that would be horn, shall arise. And they, interpreting, I'm sorry, uh, meaning at this point God's people, shall be given into his hand until a time and times and one half a time. Now, brother, we had looked at this before, but we didn't really go into it much. We saw that there was a time, times, and half a time, meaning how many years? Three and a half years, okay? So according to Daniel chapter 4... Uh, there was a guy named, help me out here, uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Mm-hmm. Nebuchadnezzar, by God's command, was a vegetarian for seven years. Okay? He ate grass for seven years. Why? Because he had a lycanthropic insanity, as what we would understand it today. And he basically thought he was a beast. So for seven days, or times rather it says, he grew hair like eagle's feathers and claws like eagle's claws. Now, before I was a Christian... I was a heavy metal drummer. I had a very bad attitude. I was drinking, doing drugs, all these terrible things. And I grew my hair from when I was nine and a half or ten years old up until I was 19 years old. It was all the way down my back, okay? That was what you could say nine or ten times I grew my hair. Well, well, Nebuchadnezzar grew his hair for seven times, okay? It looked like eagle's feathers. Seven days wouldn't do that, would it? No. Seven years would? No, I've been growing my hair a lot longer than seven days, and it's not that long. <laughs> but seven years would grow your hair like an yeah, eagle's feather. Yeah, go way down. And uh, have you ever grown your, your uh, what do you say, claws, your, 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 your nails? Not too long, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for seven days, have you ever done it? Yeah, seven days. And what I does it look like? 
Looks about probably like they do right now. But if you ever did it for seven years, you'd be, you know, you'd be, you'd be having some claws you there. You look in the Guinness Book. There's a guy who's been doing it for years. Yeah, I mean, they're they're really waving. They're all that and, yeah. yeah, it's terrible. So here, a time and times and half a time. Break that down for us. What, how do we understand that? Well, now we've already looked at this, so this is only by way of review. We saw that a time is a year, and a biblical year is 360 days. So it's a time, two times, and a half a time. So one year, two years, which would be three years, and a half of a year. So 360 times three plus a half year brings you up to 1,260 days. Now you say, well, how do we know that? Well, we see, I believe it's six or seven times in Scripture. Seven. You, seven times in Scripture. You see it in Revelation chapter uh, 13. You see in Revelation chapter 12. You see in Daniel chapter 7. You see in the Bible there are seven times where we see this number, 1,260 days. But we see it differently. We see it as 42 months mm-hmm. or time, time, and half a time. Go ahead. Or, or 1,260 days yep. also. Now, and if you think about this through, okay, so Jesus' ministry was three and a half years. The Antichrist symbolically would have a three and a half year ministry also. But the interesting thing is, in Bible prophecy, we learn that a day actually represents a year in Bible prophecy. I begin here in Numbers chapter 14, and we read here, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with us, Numbers chapter 14, which is almost at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, we're looking in the book of Numbers, chapter 14 and verse 34. And we read here, what happened, just to give you a little bit of the context, what happened is the Israelites were slaves 400 years in the land of Egypt. After they were brought out of Egypt, they, the, they were allowed to go into the land of Canaan, the promised land, the holy land. And as they were making their way into this city, they sent 12, or this kingdom, or this land rather, they sent 12 spies to search out the land. When they saw the inhabitants of the land, they said, we're like grasshoppers to those people, we can't go in. Now they searched the land for 40 days. Actually, I said verse 34. Go to verse 33. And it says, And your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years and bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Verse 34. After the number of days in which you searched the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall you bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and you shall know my breach of promise. So for every day that they searched out the land, 40 days, they would receive one year per day of punishment by having them wander around in the desert. And that was a prophecy that God was giving about the future. That's right. That's why it it then interprets one year per day. Per day. There's another time in Ezekiel chapter 4, if you want to turn there. Uh, God had told Ezekiel, set up a tile, draw a city on it, lay a siege against it, build a fort against it, build a mount against it, camp around it, put up battering rams, and put an iron pan between it and your face. Turn your face against it because my city is going to be besieged. Okay, that's what it says in verses 1 through 3. Verse 4, pick it up. Lie thou also upon your left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it, According to the number of days that thou shalt lie upon it, thou shalt bear their iniquity. For I have laid upon you the years of their iniquity. Notice he says, lay there for a certain amount of days because I'm laying upon you the years of their iniquity. And it says, lay there 390 days. He was supposed to lay on his side for 390 days. It says, so shalt thou bear the iniquity of the house of Israel. Verse 6 in Ezekiel chapter 4. When you have accomplished them, that's the days, lay again on your right side, and you will bear the iniquity of the house of Judah forty days. I have appointed you each day for a year. 
You see, God was trying to give an illustration here. He said, there's a future prophecy that I'm telling you, Ezekiel, that you're supposed to explain to the children of Israel. And here's what it, here's what it is. Besiege the city, lay upon your side for a certain amount of days, and each day that you lay upon your side, I'm equating that to years. So in Bible prophecy, a day equals a year. And I have a question. If a day is a year in the Bible, does that mean every time we read about a day that represents a year in the Bible? No, because I just said every day in Bible prophecy equals a year. Gotcha. So if Jesus walked a few days, it doesn't mean he walked a few years. No. I mean, he'd have to stop and eat, right? That's not what you, that's not what you read in the Bible. But in prophecy, in Daniel chapter 7, for instance, it talks about years. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, you can also, if you think back in Daniel chapter 9, a very popular prophecy has a seven-day time period or a week period, actually 70 weeks, and then it pulls off one uh, week at the end of this period, and most all scholars, I, as far as I understand, all believe that this prophecy refers to a seven-year period, not a seven-day period. Even though it talks about days, a day in Bible prophecy is known to represent a year. So to answer what here in this verse, basically we're looking at a kingdom who's a religious power, who's a political power, that lasts for 1,260 years. Exactly. That's the what. Okay, let's pick it up and talk about when. The ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that have kingdoms, of course, that shall arise, and another shall arise after them. What's this talking about, Chad? Well, there are ten horns out of this kingdom, which was the Roman Empire, and it says they are ten kings that shall arise, and another kingdom shall arise after them. The Antichrist will come up out of the Roman Empire, at least out of the ten divisions of Rome, and we've already seen some of the history. We saw that there would be the Antichrist. After the Antichrist would be judgment, and then we would see Christ coming in his kingdom. Okay. Little horn, judgment, kingdom. Now notice the why. Let not anyone deceive you by any means, for that day, the day of Christ, shall come unless there first comes a falling away, and the man of sin shall be revealed, the son of perdition. Pick it up there, uh, follow along in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3, and 4. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So the why of this power who's religio-political, who lasted for 1260 years, who um, here wants worship, who sits as God, showing himself that he is God. These are some of the clues that are helping you define in your own mind who the Antichrist is. The Antichrist beast and little horn power. Pick it up in the next one. This is where. All right, now we already saw this chronology Babylon, Medo, Persia, Greece, and then Rome. And it says, Behold, a fourth beast, which happens to be Rome. Fearful and terrible and very strong, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the rest with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts before it, and it had ten horns. I was thinking about the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, as we read in Daniel 7, verses 7 and 8. So once again, here is this power rising up out of the, the ruins of ancient Rome as it divides into four por or t ten portions. rather, The next kingdom comes up. The Antichrist power arises in this area. Which actually, once again, we've already clarified, this is the western portion of Europe. So somewhere within the vicinity of western Europe, the Antichrist will have to arise. So Daniel, if he rose up somewhere in maybe, maybe Iraq, could it be the Antichrist? No. No, it couldn't be. It couldn't be the Antichrist because it has to rise up somewhere within the vicinity of western Europe. Because that's where the Bible says the Antichrist will rise up among the ten horns or the divisions of western Rome.
So it's pretty clear so far from the simple questions that any good reporter would ask. We're making sure we're, we find out who, what, when, where, why. How? We're getting some good clues. Let's look at how. The Bible says through his understanding, which would be this little horn that becomes exceeding great in Daniel chapter 8, picking it up in verse 25, through his understanding, remember he has the eyes of the eyes of a man, it's a man's understanding, through his understanding he shall cause deceit to succeed. So deception under this Antichrist's authority is succeeding. Notice what happened. It, it succeeds in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart. And by peace, he will destroy many. By peace, destroying many. Doesn't that sound like the Judas that we've talked about earlier? Yeah, instead of destroying with some horrible act, he deceived with a what? With a kiss. With a kiss. He said, Hail, Master. And he had already told everybody, Hey, man, the guy that I kissed, that's the one. And so he goes over there, Hail, Master. And he kisses him. And they grab Jesus. So, through peace, he destroys, just like Judas. We've got all these things. Chad, pick it up, another one for how. We read in Daniel 7, 25, He shall speak, the Antichrist shall speak words, or great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and plot to change times and laws. Now, we've already seen that the saints of God, as in Romans chapter 1, as in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I believe it's in Ephesians and Philippians, we see that the... Uh, saints of God are his true Christian followers. So this power, the Antichrist, is going to be a persecuting power, even though the, ma the majority of the world will think this is actually a Christian power, but there will be a group of people that it will actually choose to persecute because they will not be following the teachings of what is actually the Antichrist. Now, go on. What else is in this verse? When it says that he plots to change times and laws, there, there, there has been a change in the law by a worldwide religious, political power that reigned for 1260 years and they did try to change the law. You've got to stay for the next one to get into those details though. We'll talk about it in just a minute. Let's get to the next one here. How? Let not anybody deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of the Lord, shall not come unless there first come a falling away. Basically what's going to happen in this verse again as we read before, 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4. He opposes and exalts himself above God. So how does he oppose? Deceitfully. Remember, deceitfulness he will cause to prosper in his hand. He'll do it stealthily. He'll do it as though it's through peace. But he speaks great words against the Most High. Blasphemous things. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. So basically he says, God, why don't you step out of the way for a minute and let me receive the worship? Why don't you step out of the way and allow me to forgive sin? Allow me to take your place? Allow me to this and that? It's the devil. Because doesn't the Bible says in Revelation 13, the Bible says clearly, the devil gave him his seat, his throne, authority, and oh, seat, go ahead, power seat and great authority. Power seat and great authority. <laughs> and along those lines, um, now we see, that we're, we see that it is the devil that gives power to the Antichrist system. Yes. So the devil is the one who is behind this system, but he actually does set up a system that God reveals to us in the scriptures exactly who it is upon the earth. So it's not just the devil, but the devil is the one who hands his authority to this power to deceive the people of the earth. And we're going to learn exactly who this power that the devil is using is. Why don't we pray together? Right. Let's bow our heads. Chad, go ahead. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful opportunity to search your word together lord it is so exciting to know that you have so much to reveal to us 
And we've said it time and time again, but it's worth repeating that it is not knowing who the Antichrist is that will save us. It is knowing Jesus Christ. Amen. And Lord, I pray that every person in this room by this time has accepted you as their personal Savior. Amen. Because this next message may do just about nothing if they don't know you as their God and Savior. So Lord, Heavenly Father, if there's someone here even now who hasn't accepted you as their Savior, I pray that just now in the quietness of their own heart they will say, Lord Jesus, I want to know who you are. I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me for my sinful ways. I want you to change my heart and I want a new life. Lord, bless us now as we take a break, maybe get some refreshments and speak together. And Lord, bless us now in the name of Jesus. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.